I'm Marcy Watley with Double Creek Farms in Kildare, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Kerry Martin. Hello, Texas. Thanks so much for taking time to join us for another episode of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, the Texas corn, sorghum, and rice crops are looking pretty good right now. But cotton is a different story. We'll check out the latest Texas crop ratings coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. How to best use manure-based fertilizers in combination with chemical fertilizers. That's a subject of study by researchers in the Texas High Plains. I'm James Hunt and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. The National Cattlemen's Beef Association is a member of a coalition of groups supporting the Ship It Act in Congress. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have more on this transportation bill as it pertains to safely increasing truck weights on highways for livestock haulers. There's a new congressional effort to look into the farm labor crisis that is impacting U.S. agriculture. I'm Gary Joyner and I'll have details of the Agricultural Labor Working Group on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Weekly Texas crop progress and condition report this week shows a very good looking corn crop right now. A big turnaround from last year when we had one of the worst corn crops in the nation. Right now we see 67%, two thirds of our corn crop rated good to excellent 25% rated fair, and only 8% of the Texas corn rated poor to very poor. Sorghum ratings, not quite as good, but still pretty good-looking crop. 54% of the sorghum crop rated good to excellent, 36% fair, and only 10% rated poor to very poor. The southeast Texas rice crop looking wonderful for this time of year. 81% of the rice rated good to excellent, 15% rated fair, and only 4% of the rice crop here in Texas rated poor to very poor. Now, the one exception to these good crop ratings is the cotton crop. Cotton has struggled to get off to a good start in a lot of areas of the state, and the crop ratings break down about a third, a third, and a third. We have 34% of the Texas cotton crop rated good to excellent, 34% rated fair, and 32% of the cotton crop rated poor to very poor. This report doesn't show any harvest progress right now, but we do know harvest is underway in South Texas. We've seen the first bale of cotton harvested and ginned down in the Rio Grande Valley. 
We also know that corn and milo harvest well underway in South Texas as well. The Texas A&M Beef Cattle Short Course is just a few weeks away. The largest beef cattle educational event in the world is coming up in just a few weeks. Texas A&M University's annual Beef Cattle Short Course is slated for August 7th through the 9th in College Station. The event includes over 20 courses covering basic practices, new technologies, and hot topics, including animal health, nutrition, genetics, selection, research, marketing, reproduction, and more. There will be live cattle handling and shoot-side working demonstrations, a beef carcass value determination workshop, and fence building and brush busters demonstrations. Registration is underway now at beefcattleshortcourse.com. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The Texas USDA Farm Service Agency is reminding farmers and ranchers of the July 14th deadline to apply for both the Emergency Relief Program Phase 2 and the Pandemic Assistance Revenue Program. These revenue-based programs help offset revenue losses from 2020 and 2021 natural disasters and the COVID-19 pandemic. See your local county FSA office to apply. Researchers on the Texas High Plains are studying the use of manure-based fertilizers alongside chemical fertilizers. James Hunt has that story from Amarillo. Although things have been getting better lately, the high fertilizer prices we've seen in the past couple of years have led farmers to become more interested in the use of alternative nutrient sources such as manure or compost. But what are the most effective ways of using those sources when it comes to the overall health of your soil and your crops? Dr. Katie Lewis is an associate professor with both Texas A&M AgriLife and Texas Tech. She's currently engaged in a variety of research projects on the use of manure-based fertilizers, one key focus being how to best use manure-based fertilizers in tandem with chemical fertilizers. What we're exploring is blending the two sources. So a lot of times when we're using uh, compost or even just raw manure itself, if applied to meet the nitrogen demands of the crop, you can over apply things like phosphorus and potassium. And so with our sources that we're applying, and I would hope with most farmers when they're applying it, they're applying to meet the demands of the crop from a phosphorus perspective. And so with that, then it takes additional nitrogen to meet the demand of the crop. So in the research that we're working in, we are looking at the combination of different sources of manure. So whether it be raw manure, composted manure, or different digestate sources, we're adding additional urea to the system to make up for the demand of the crop from a nitrogen perspective. In the research projects on manure that Dr. Lewis and her colleagues are involved in, much of what they're analyzing relates to crop yields and other economic considerations for farmers. We look forward to updates on their findings. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Livestock transportation issues have been a priority in Washington recently. Tom Nicoletti has more. My guest today is Allison Rivera. She is Executive Director for Government Affairs with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Allison, certainly transportation of livestock, a big issue in Texas, the largest cattle producing state in the country. What are you and NCBA looking at and working on 
as we uh, speak in uh, the nation's capital. So once again, we are looking to get that very important electronic logging device delay for our livestock haulers through the appropriations process. We have already started down that path to make that request. That current exemption ends on September 30th of 2023. So we've got to get a probes package of some kind across the finish line before then to make sure that we maintain that very important ELD delay for livestock haulers. We also continue to look for flexibility within the hours of service that all of trucking has to follow for livestock haulers. We achieved that back-end 150 air mile exemption in the infrastructure bill. Hopefully people are using that and it's been helpful to get a little bit of extra drive time at the end of hauls. We're also continuing to work on truck weights. That's something that we haven't seen an increase since I believe the 70s. We've got to be able to put more cattle safely on trucks and get them moved. What is the current weight limit for cattle hauling on trucks and what would you like to see it increase? To. On federal highways, we're at 82,000. On five axles, we have a bill called the Ship It Act that we work with a coalition of other groups that would like to see heavier trucks on the federal highways. We're looking at uh, 91,000 on six axles. It's a 10-state pilot program, and we really hope that the Ship It Act can get across the finish line and we can get that higher truck weight. That is Allison Rivera. She is Executive Director for Government Affairs with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There is a new congressional effort to look into the farm labor crisis affecting U.S. agriculture. Gary Joyner has the details on the new Agricultural Labor Working Group. Leaders of the U.S. House Committee on Agriculture recently formed a bipartisan agricultural labor working group to investigate the labor challenges facing America's farmers and ranchers. Let's hope the effort is successful. A solution to our nation's farm labor crisis is long overdue. Labor is one of the largest limiting factors facing agriculture. A skilled, reliable workforce is needed to help grow and raise our sustainable food supply. A system that provides long-term stability is critical. Meaningful reform to our nation's guest worker visa program would provide security to farmers and ranchers and their employees. Farm work is challenging, often seasonal and transitory. With fewer and fewer Americans growing up on the farm, it's increasingly difficult to find American workers attracted to these kinds of jobs. Not all farm labor can be replaced by machines either. There are certain farm jobs that require a human touch. U.S. agriculture needs anywhere from one and a half to two million hired workers, and there is a shortage in the workforce. Texas farmers and ranchers have had a help wanted sign out far too long. I'm Gary Joyner for Texas Ag Today. The state's population is growing rapidly, and the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is working to ensure that both urban and rural Texans' outdoor recreation needs are met. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And cattle, sheep, and goats are susceptible to hoof scald and hoof rot. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Why do you listen? I listen to radio to stay up on news, weather, current events around the local community. It keeps me up to date with everything going on in the world. It kind of just takes my mind off of the drive, getting some relevant information that's in time. It's always nice to know what's going on. Okay, what can I do? Well, I'll listen to the what's coming up and you can plan your day. 
Why do you listen? Go to whyilisten.com, tell us why you listen, and you have a chance to win $500. Visit whyilisten.com today. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Cattle, sheep, and goats are all susceptible to hoof scald and hoof rot. Dr. Bob Judd says that's a result from all the rain we've had recently. Dr. David Fernandez with the Arkansas Extension Livestock Department indicated in the Shepherd publication that hoof scald is an inflammation between the toes in cloven-hooved animals that causes them to limp on the affected foot. Areas between the toes are red, inflamed, moist, and raw. Hoof scald is caused by the bacteria Fusobacterium necrophorum, found in livestock manure and can live in the pasture up to 18 weeks. When livestock are kept in wet and muddy conditions, the skin between the toes gets soft and stubble or stalks can irritate the skin and allow entrance of the bacteria. And although the bacteria is bad enough, this creates conditions in the hoof that allows the bacterium Dicolobacter nodosus to enter the foot, which actually causes hoof rot. Hoof skull and hoof rot are similar in appearance, but generally hoof rot has a very foul odor with pus present in the wound, and sometimes the hoof wall can separate from the hoof if damage is severe. Treatment can be effective and involves removing the necrotic dead tissue and pus from the wound and flushing the area with water. There are hoof baths you can make with copper sulfate or zinc sulfate and have the animal stand in this solution 30 to 60 minutes, and if you have multiple animals affected, this may be the best option. If only one animal is infected, I think wrapping the foot with the antiseptic soaked in gauze and keeping the animal in a dry area is the most effective treatment. Systemic antibiotics are likely needed in many cases of foot rot, and you will need to get a prescription from your veterinarian for the antibiotics. Regular hoof trimming and keeping your animals in a dry environment is helpful for prevention. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. With a growing population, the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is working to ensure that both urban and rural Texans' outdoor recreation needs are met. Jessica Domel tells how in today's Wildlife Report. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department continues to serve its longtime mission of managing and conserving the state's natural and cultural resources so they can continue to provide hunting and fishing and outdoor recreation opportunities for Texans now and in the years to come. Dr. David Yaskowitz, Executive Director of TPWD, recently addressed farmers and ranchers at the Texas Farm Bureau Summer Conference in San Marcos. Afterwards, he sat down with TFB Radio's Tom Nicoletti to discuss his goals and the challenges that TPWD faces as the state's population continues to grow. We know most of that growth is going to be in urban areas, and most of that is going to be in that what we call the Texas Triangle, from Dallas-Fort Worth to San Antonio over to Houston. For us to meet our goal is we have to really provide outdoor recreational opportunities within an hour of that Texas Triangle. We need to today start identifying those places where that can happen. But we also need to think about the valley, which is growing rapidly in El Paso. But we can't forget about the importance of our rural communities and the impact that state parks and recreational opportunities mean to them. Texas state parks provide more than outdoor recreation. They provide jobs and they contribute to local economies. 
10 million visitors a year, 891 million in uh, economic output from those that visit the state parks, 7,000 additional jobs, huge impact to rural communities that have state parks and an increase in GDP and increase in employment versus those rural counties that don't have state parks. That was Dr. David Yoskowitz from the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department. We'll have more from him in an upcoming episode. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. We wrapped up the trading week with a nice jump in the cattle and cotton markets, but the grain markets dropped lower. We'll check out all of Friday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Why do you listen? Anytime I'm talking to a friend about new music and I don't know what it is, it's probably because they were listening to radio and I wasn't. I'm nosy. I like to know what's going on, and radio usually is right there telling me what and when is going on and where it's going on. Oh, listen in the barn, skid loader, tractor, and just about anywhere you can. When you put the lights on in the barn, the radio went on. Why do you listen? Go to whyilisten.com, tell us why you listen, and you have a chance to win $500. Visit whyilisten.com today. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle market finished the trading week on a strongly higher note on Friday, both live and feeder cattle taking a nice jump. August live cattle up 242, 177 even. The October up $1.95, 179.37. December live cattle up $1.55, 183.17. Feeder cattle sharply higher. August feeders jumping 315 to close at 245.42. September up 327, 248.60, with October feeder cattle up 310 at 250.22. Cash fed cattle market saw sales here in Texas over the past week at 178. That is steady to a buck lower compared to the previous week. Boxed beef prices were lower Friday. Choice down 207-317.80. Select down $1.80 at 288.17. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Doug Bass had a sale in Columbus last week. Doug, let's talk about last week. How'd it go? Had a good sale, Mr. Larry. Uh, ended up with 757 head of cattle. Uh, market looked good. Stayed the week before. Uh, yeah, they had, you know, really good set of calves in there. So, yeah, we had a good good day. Walk the pins with us, Doug. Yes, sir. On your way in cows, thinner, lower yielding cows, 70 to 78. Medium type cows, 82 to 89. Better, higher yielding cows, 90 to $1.11. On your bulls, lower yielding bulls, bring a dollar to a dollar eight. Medium, uh, better, higher yielding bulls, 110 to 128. We had some pairs, uh, pretty decent pairs, bring 16 to 2100. Red cows bring from... 1100 to 1650. Uh, like I said, the cab looked really good. Uh, two to three weight steers, 230 to 292. Heifers, 220 to 270. Three to four weight steers, 225 to 287. Heifers, 210 to 254. Four to five weight steers, 210 to 262. Heifers, $2 to 248. Five to six weight steers, 206 to 256. Heifers, 190 to 255. Six to seven weight steers, 185 to 224. Heifers, 180 to 216. Seven to eight weight steers, 174 to 210. Heifers, 170 to 193. And your 800 to 1,000 pound steers of bullion, between 155 to 191. 
Heffretz bring 140 to 186. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Doug Bass, Cattleman's Columbus. Yes, sir. You can call me on the cell, 979-877-4454. Our call start always, 979-732-2622. Of course, Doug won't have a sale this week, but he will have one this Friday at his sale barn in Brenham. Neighbor, I'm Larry Marple. This is Walking the Pants, Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. You're listening right this second on Texas Ag Today. Back over to the futures market now, where lean hogs finished lower on Friday. July hogs down a dollar five at ninety nine dollars even. August hogs dropped a dollar ninety seven ninety five fifteen. Class three milk was mixed. July milk down eight cents thirteen eighty nine a hundred weight. With August milk up eight fourteen forty five a hundred. The cotton market was mixed. The October lowered. The December contract higher. The December getting support from a positive jobs report out of the Labor Department. Also, traders are watching the weather forecast here in Texas. We are looking at triple-digit temperatures again this coming week, especially in that Lubbock cotton patch area. That's an area of the state that traders watch closely. They feel like it may set that big cotton crop there back a bit. October cotton dropping 182 points, closing at 81.31. The December contract up 129 at 8117. Corn market finished lower. July corn down six and a quarter, 560 and a half. September corn down 11 and three quarters, 487 and a quarter, with December corn down 12, 494 and a half. Russia continues to undercut everyone else on the world wheat market, and that of course hurts our wheat exports and hurt our wheat market on Friday. September Kansas City wheat down 25 and a half, 818 and a quarter. September Chicago wheat down eight and a half at 649 and a half. In the energy markets, August natural gas down four cents, 256. August West Texas crude up 205 at 7385 a barrel. The financial markets were mixed Friday afternoon. The Dow was down 12 points, 33,909. The NASDAQ up 72, 13,751. The S&P up 13 at 4,424. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.